0: A warm welcome to our listeners to our show called Let's Talk. In our show, we are going to talk about various topics that influence or can influence our daily lives. I am Dr. Ezio Baraldi. I'm a specialist medical practitioner and a medical sexologist. Uh, With me in the studio today is Krista Kutsia, our psychologist and psychosexologist. Welcome, Krista.
1: Thank you very much, Itzel.
0: And the other member of our panel is Mr. Charles Kreev, who is a specialized counselor with a special interest in gay and lesbian relationships. Today we are going to talk about codependent relationships. So relationships are always an issue. We go into them, we fall out of them, we have problems with them. And our psychologist friends tell us there are different types of relationships. And today we are going to be talking about codependent relationships then. Krista, what is a codependent relationship?
1: It's, I think, to take one step back. If we talk about codependence, already a sub- Heading off. So it's actually supposed to, if we talk, originally we talk about dependency. Right. And then we talk about codependency. Now, what is the difference? And I think that's where we often get confused. To be dependent... On people we actually refer to two people that are actually assisting one another in certain areas so we actually as I I can depend on you and you can depend on me but we're two adults both bring something to the party so there's there's an adult level of interaction with one another or if you take even that there's a dependency of between a parent and a child or there's a dependency between a person that's got physical special needs, they're actually depending on the other one to bring something to assist them. Right. So we're assisting one another. If we talk about codependency, we start going into more the psychological aspect of things. To say "Is that's where we, we tend to refer to us of where I need something from you. So there's a strong in, in, emotional and in, uh, psychological dependency that happens there. And the terms that often we refer to there would be a typical rescuer-victim type of terminology that comes to mind when we start talking about codependency.
0: Okay. You mentioned the rescuer and the the victim. I think that we need to discuss more in detail. Okay. But before we get to that, what are the symptoms of a codependent relationship? Well, first of all, is it a healthy thing?
1: No, it's not a healthy thing. It's not healthy. (laughs) No, okay. Um, According to psychologists, (laughs) (laughs) we would say the people that have agreed or have entered into a codependent relationship often find it very healthy for them because it works for them.
0: Okay, so I Um, have needs, you supply those needs, you have needs, I supply those needs.
1: Exactly. So we need one another and I I have a need to feel needed and that's what often feeds the whole relationship. The long-term effect of it is actually not healthy. Because mm. what tends to start happening is the one, there's a power struggle of some sort, is I have provided you with this, so you need to provide me with, with something. That. So there's a transaction that happens on a psychological level. And when it is healthy is where it, it doesn't take your um, individuality, your own being does not get sacrificed in the process. So the moment where there's compromises, and that's where dependency comes in, there's a compromise. There's, the one does not feel inhibited by the other
0: one. So in other words, if I am in a relationship with you and we're codependent, it becomes a problem when your needs are more than what I can provide, without damage to myself. Uh,
1: exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Also, what are the symptoms? Or what are the signs of a, yes. of a, of a codependent relationship? Is often where one of the partners actually downplay their own needs to make sure that the other party is at all times happy and their needs Don't are being met. met. So you will, and that's where we say the difference between compromise and sacrifice, Ah. you actually start sacrificing your own for the sake of the other or for the relationship. And that's a very thin line. And we need to... Become aware of where we actually are unable to make decisions. Your own needs. You say, I would like to do this or that or that. And say, oh, yeah, but you know what? My partner doesn't like going and doing those things. So I'd rather just not do that because I don't want to upset the apple cart. Mm. Um, Codependent relationship where the one is the financial stronghold in the relationship. And that is being outplayed. It actually overrules all the emotional needs of the other partner as well. To say, is, I pay the bill, so we'll do what I say.
0: That so, sounds like an old-fashioned standard relationship.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the husband and wife type it, relationship it, in it, the it old is days.
1: exactly of uh, the fundamentals of the old was to say is the breadwinner makes the decisions and wh- whoever else must just fall into that. Correct. Um, and that's where the old way, and that's a conversation from another day, to say is, the traditional old marriages, especially if you come from a religious background, where it says you will leave and you will become one. And then what we tend to find is that the, the breadwinner is the one that runs ahead and determines what will be and what will happen, the structure and the needs of the family. And that has got a dangerous foundation because of the one, the, the two individuals are no longer present in the relationship. The one individual determines the flow and, and the dynamic of the relationship and the other one must just grin and bear it.
0: But I would imagine that also happens in gay relationships.
1: Absolutely. We have to realise in, in so many ways is the one model that we had for over years for marriages mm. is your typical heterosexual relationships where it comes with an old dynamic description of who is the man of the house, who is the main, the head of the house, and the head of the house is the one that determines what happens in the relationship. So that formed the, the, the model of relationships. Over the years, fortunately, there's been more and more same-sex relationships that's come to the foreground, a lot more exploring with equality and how do we deal with things and we are both bringing something to the party and how do we negotiate and compromise in order for the relationship to happen Mm. so but yes the typical codependent relationship would very much be the model of what used to happen in the olden
0: days in in a normal heterosexual relationship okay so what are the symptoms of that
1: well, there's several. We we touched on the one is where you actually just you feel guilty the moment that you actually start feeling about thinking about what I want. So the focus is so much on the one on the partner or the relationship, what is that with the relationship? What does he or what does she want? And then you just sacrifice whatever you feel. And that would be the one that is, the, is, is actually in the victim role. The rescuer mm. would be to say, is, I got you out of this. I'm the one bringing in the money. I'm the one that, and it's, it's, it's very egotistical. Uh, so your rescuer is the one to say, is, you need me. And then the other one say, well, I can't do anything because I need you. Right. So that's where it it becomes, it's actually quite a deep-rooted psychological dynamic that goes on here. And a lot of people are not aware of it.
0: Correct, because I would imagine that that kind of situation is pretty common in many relationships, whether they're heterosexual or gay relationships. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if the degree of it is always pathological, but I would imagine those dynamics are quite normal.
1: Yes, and the fundamental is to say is I am so loving. I am so, And that's how they actually keep the dynamic going is because I love you so much that I'm willing to do that. And that's initially what happens. Unfortunately, over year, over time, the pattern becomes so set that it's very difficult to know how to be otherwise. So one of the things that actually what you start seeing is that people one of the partners don't have difficulty making a decision for themselves or for the relationship. Mm-hmm. Is the one that's often the one that takes the lead is the one that makes a decision. Yes, we will go there or uh, yes, we will go and do that or no, we won't go. We won't go away for a weekend. And then the other one will always sit in the background to say, I I have a need to go away for the weekend, but I have to ask the other party who is the leader if there's money for it. So you actually lose yourself in the relationship.
0: And you become resentful then.
1: And we become resentful. The moment the moment that you start feeling resentful, you can actually see that there's been sacrifices and that's no longer compromises. Because compromises I feel I am gaining although I'm adjusting. A sacrifice is I feel I'm losing
0: mm.
1: all the time. And initially you don't see it, but as time goes on and you feel more and more isolated, more and more not visible. The way I would describe a relationship is to say is, it's actually stood two individuals and then there's a relationship. So there's actually three relationships going on. Each individual has got a relationship with him or herself, and then the third one is the relationship. Between them. And the moment that one of those relationships are not visible, not present as an entity on its own, we are heading for codependent relationships where where somebody is being sacrificed in
0: the process. So somebody loses out. Okay, wow. I am sure that uh, many of our listeners can... Relate to that in some other form of their own relationships and their own experiences We are going to take a break uh, From uh, Let's talk and we'll be back in a moment Hello darlings This is your queen of the skies Cathy
2: Specific here For the first time in history An all gay vacation hits the shores of Africa Proudly brought to you by Afrigay Join myself and the seductively saucy trolley dollies as we take you to the beautiful island of Mauritius to experience magnificent sun, sea, and surf, a few decadent parties, and the chance to make fabulous friends from all over the world. This unique event will be hosted by South Africa's aviation goddesses and your tantalizingly tempting poster girls for travel. For more information, buckle up, bitches, and book your spot at gsaradio.co.za.
0: Welcome back. You are listening to Let's Talk, our talk on SA Radio, where, if you didn't know, you're family. And we are discussing in the series of talks issues that matter to us as uh, people, as a uh, group. Today we are talking to uh, Krista Kutzia, our psychologist and psychosexologist, about codependent relationships. And uh, before the break we were talking about The issue of becoming resentful where one person has um, given so much to the other person that they feel they've lost out and now they're starting to resent that and basically they would feel that they're a victim in this uh, relationship so we mentioned a little bit earlier on about the victim and rescuer dynamic what is that all about
1: if we go into what what is the message that a victim says to him or herself the basic message is i am not okay and i need you to make me okay so that's the underlying message a rescuer says i see you not okay and i will make you okay because that's i need to be needed okay so that's what drives you now this is how people often get into relationships of where the typical broken wing syndrome type of thing, you're looking for somebody, I need validation, so I find somebody or attract people that I can rescue.
0: Right, because that makes me feel good.
1: That makes me feel good. The victim says, I'm not okay and I need somebody to make me okay. So then they easily fall into the trap of the rescuer-victim dynamic. Okay. And initially it works because if a victim is feeling down and out and I feel rescued, I actually feel good.
0: I feel better, yeah.
1: The rescuer feel good initially to say is, I've got the means to assist you, so I'm actually being a good person. And I feel better now because I've managed to, to save you. Okay. In time, this dynamic becomes quite destructive. Because somewhere the victim can get to the point and say, but I actually feel that I've been, I'm I'm stronger now. I can take charge. And the rescue will say, but you need me and I need you. So there's resistance in changing.
0: Because now you don't need me anymore. So what am I doing here?
1: So, and then that's where it's a very fine line of manipulation to keep this dynamic going. Okay. So how do we get out of this? Because once we've entered into that, and I think there's something normal, natural, let's call it natural, about the human dimension, there's caring. The fundamental Mm -hmm. thing of caring is to say, I've got this to offer, and I see you struggling, I care enough, and that's why I'm helping you. That's healthy. Right. When this this initial healthy interaction becomes the foundation of our relationship, that's Mm -hmm. where it becomes a problem. Okay. Because the person's individual strengths are being undermined. So now how do I get out of it? Now initially when we say we, we talk about the victim to say I'm not okay and I need you to make me okay. That's where the shift needs to happen. To say I'm not okay and I'm going to make myself okay. And in while I'm doing it you walk next to me and you support me. So it shifted from, I don't need rescuing, I need
0: support. That's a huge difference.
1: And that is actually where the initial start of a a negative dynamic could have been avoided, is when I see you as my fellow human being, I care about you, but I'm not going to take over your decision-making. I'm going to stand next to you and support you and be a soundboard while you're going through things, but it's your journey and I'm walking next to you. And that's a complete different dynamic.
0: And it's a huge... And that's
1: where dependency, that is the dependency part. of I depend on your support, not I, I, I expect you to rescue and save me.
0: So that would be a healthy dependency. Yes. I depend on you to support me and... Walk with me through the process as opposed to I depend on you to do everything for me because I'm not good enough to do it myself. Exactly. it's a huge difference there.
1: Where where the healthy dependency is I, I depend on you to be next to me, hold my hand at times, give me a glass of water, give me some sound advice, but I am walking the journey, that develops individual strengths. Correct. So then two individuals are strong. As individuals, which can found, form the foundation for a healthy relationship,
0: which together they'll be even stronger. Then,
1: and that's what we—that's what you aim for. So it's so easy to fall into. Say, I've got the financial means. You are financially struggling. Let me give you money to get out of trouble, and I'm forever indebted to you. Mm. So I will continue doing what you need because you once saved me. And that mm. keeps a negative loop going.
0: Absolutely, that just keeps you dependent all the time, and it keeps you unempowered.
1: Exactly, that dependent is where it turns, turns from a healthy dependency into codependency.
0: So the codependency part of it would be then. I need you to rescue me all the time, and the other party says, I want to rescue you all the time because that's what I need to make me feel good.
1: Exactly. So what we tend to forget is sometimes the, the, the vi- one can be the victim and the next moment can be the rescuer because ah. it's emotional rescuing that happens as well, where the rescuer says, you know what, I've put my whole life on the line, I've done all of this for you, this is all I'm asking of you. So then the victim shifts into the rescuer role expectation of having to meet all the emotional needs of the initial rescuer. So it becomes quite messy.
0: So it can shift from the one to the other within the relationship.
1: Within the relationship. And they tend to move around that because they both need one another. There's a, I need to be needed. There's a psychological factor that drives it.
0: Don't we all need to be needed somewhere?
1: I do think so. So we, that, is, that is
0: a fundamental that we funda- all have.
1: That's a fundamental, and that can be supported and encouraged and healthily developed. Where there's two, Where there's two people walking next to one another and to say, you walk your road, but I really, you know what, I know that you can do it. There's something, Some sometimes when, when I feel down and out and I feel, you know, today I'm having a down day and somebody brings me chicken soup for mm. the soul, um, that's a moment of where that's not really rescuing. That's
0: caring. That's caring. Yeah, yeah.
1: So there's a very we need to be aware of how I feel in this relationship, and it doesn't have to be only an intimate relationship. We find this type of relationships in workspace as well, mm. where right. the moment that you feel manipulated, the feel obligated, the moment that you feel I have to. In other words, there's no choice in this for me anymore. Then you can very well know that you are in an unhealthy relationship dynamic. And you need to find out where do I stand in this. And how do I empower myself. I am not okay. And I have to make myself okay. And while I'm doing it, I can have people cheering me on from the side. Right. But they're not doing it for me.
0: You mentioned manipulation. And we often hear the, that word, within relationships, that the one party manipulates the other in order to get whatever they want. How does that fit into this codependent context?
1: That's exactly where it fits in perfectly in there because it's a way to get the other one to do what you want them to do. I need you to make me okay.
0: And you're going to do it by taking me to the movies or whatever exactly. it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Quite a deep and complicated um, <laughs> relationship thing, but then we knew relationships are complicated.
1: Relationships are complicated when we lose our own identities.
0: Ah, and on and that note, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with you with uh, Let's Talk on Gay Essay Radio.
3: You can follow Gay Essay Radio on Instagram.
0: Welcome back. Um, you are listening to Let's Talk. On Gay SA Radio, and today we are talking to uh, Krista Kutsia, our psychologist and psychosexologist, about codependent relationships. And Krista, we've gone through a lot of different inform- a lot of information around what codependent relationships are, and they seem to be more common and more uh, frequent than we actually thought. Can you give us some kind of a summary uh, of everything that we have spoken about for our listeners?
1: It's, I think, ultimately, we all would like to be in relationships that are healthy. That's the aim. What is the foundation of a healthy relationship? A healthy relationship is where there's space for two individuals within the relationship space. That the one is not sacrificing him or herself for the other or for the relationship. It should be we're all in this together so that we are actually stronger and better together than what we are apart. So individuals bring to the party individual strengths, individual personalities, individual backgrounds, and we need to make sure that those are honoured within the relationship. If not, if one of the parties feel at any time that they are undermined, that they are underplayed, that they cannot do something without the help of the other, then we are starting to go on the slippery slopes. So fundamentally, each person needs to ask themselves, in this relationship, do I feel I come to move full right? Do I feel that I can stand on my own two feet and my partner is standing next to me or do I always feel that the partner is actually holding some kind, something over my head and manipulating me even subtly by comments that they make by withholding sex by withholding money by withholding opportunities by saying is we will not go there because it's not good for you it's like almost making decisions for the other one all the time all of those things are signs that there's an unhealthy element that's crept in Wow so fundamentally What we need is we need somebody to stand next to you. Each one was born to walk their own journey and walk their own route, and we all need support and cheerleaders from the sides. And it comes in different forms, but nobody's got the right to actually take over decision-making of another person when we're in adult relationships.
0: Wow, Krista, thanks a lot. So, relationships are more complicated than we thought, the old idea of two coming together to make one doesn't seem to work very much because within that one who makes a decision who does what so the modern way of looking at it is two people coming together in their own right to create something new
1: and compromises sacrifices are not the things we compromise in relation healthy relationships
0: right thanks a lot krista i'm sure that we have learned a lot today and our listeners um have got a Bit of a clearer understanding of what makes relationships work or what doesn't. That's it for our show today. Uh, listeners, join us again on our next slot where we will talk. And uh, do listen to Gay SA Radio. You know your family. Gay SA
3: Radio is an online radio station and we stream through the internet. And many people say, but what about my data? Well, it only takes... 30 megabytes per hour to listen to Gay SA Radio. Now compare that to YouTube or Facebook, and you will know Gay SA Radio is affordable. Gay SA Radio, where you are family.
0: Welcome to our show called Let's Talk. You are listening to Gay SA Radio, where you're family. And on our talk uh, talk show, we talk about issues that matter to us, either individually or things that basically influence our daily lives and we have to put up with. Let's Talk Team it is myself, Etzer Beraldi. I'm a specialist medical practitioner and medical sexologist. Um, Krista Kutzia, who is our guest today in the studio, who is a psychologist and psychosexologist, And Charles Ghef, who is a specialised counsellor with a special interest in gay and lesbian relationships. Krista, welcome.
1: Thank you very much. Always
0: fun. Thank you. Today we are going to I'm going to quiz you on relationships. Relationships are probably apart from finances is probably the most the thing that people have to deal with the most uh, the most issues. Mm-hmm. Today we're talking about open relationships. Mm-hmm. What is an open relationship?
1: It's open for negotiations. <laughs> okay
0: Okay. what is open for negotiation
1: <laughs> what, um, I think what is important is uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things and maybe have for people that are not that um, exposed to all the different terminologies maybe we just quickly touch on it to say is monogamous is the original relationship form that we were talking about and to say is I have exclusive sexual intellectual emotional relationships with a person right okay, so that would be monogamy from there we started going into this the discussions and more and more a need to actually explore the open relationships dynamic now traditionally what we would talk about open relationships would we say is the emotional and the intellectual relationship remains with My original partner. And then the two of us have negotiated and discussed and agreed that the sexual part of our relationship could be opened to having sexual relationships with or encounters with other parties. So that's where where we talk about open relationships. So initially, monogamy, where everything is inclusive and exclusive of one another. Open relationships is where the door has been opened for sexual relationships with other parties, although the initial emotional and intellectual part of the relationship remain exclusive.
0: So basically, we've got a relationship that is saying, uh, you know what, on a physical level, uh, let's maybe open things up a little bit Mm -hmm. and become a little bit more adventurous. Mm -hmm. How common is it?
1: It's becoming more and
0: more common.
1: There's so many different ways and and maybe we need to go and start looking at the say is what are the type of open relationship and then people will start realising that it is more common than what we thought it to be. It was, okay. Uh, So it's definitely becoming more and more um, a trend, more and more an option for relationships. I do think also as society has become more and more open to, to explore and discuss and understand the different needs of people they've also realized that more and more people are actually looking for variety and that's where the open open part started creeping in creeping a in. lot more now if we talk about uh, types of open relationships one of the the forms that started really um, i think opening the door was the swinging right. where couples that's in would heterosexual in Heterosexual couples, where they would actually go to say, as the couple go to swinging bars with swinging clubs, and then as a couple, they engage in sexual activities with other couples. Okay, so and psychologically and emotionally, it felt for them a lot safer because I know where my partner is going, I know with whom my partner is going, right. and I'm partaking with my partner in it. Mm. In reality, however. And this is why I think what is so important to interrupt myself there when we talk about open relationships is, in theory, everything is easy to agree on. It's when it goes into practice that I start seeing them coming into my door as a psychologist and they say, I was okay but I'm no longer okay.
0: So the proof of the pudding is in the so eating.
1: When we talk about open relationships, I, I would like everybody to just for a moment remember that theory and practice are not always so compatible.
0: Do you think open relationships are more common in gay relationships than they are in heterosexuals?
1: I don't have the stats. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think that in uh, gay relationships it is According to the gay culture, more acceptable and understandable, with I think it happens a lot within the heterosexual relationships, but it's never spoken. Never about. spoken about. A lot mm. of it is happening in secrecy. Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I do think it is important to maybe not go into stats. And say so, yeah, yes, I do think that, but. Uh, The trend we tend to see in the practice is that in the gay relationships, it's more of an acceptable practice Mm -hmm. than what it is, and tolerable practice than what it is amongst heterosexuals.
0: So in other words, we've all grown up with uh, a particular model, the heterosexual relationship, and these are the rules that follow it. Because we've not been heterosexual, we've had to throw some of those bits out, Mm -hmm. and we've had to decide for ourselves then what fits into that place. And therefore we've thought about these things and we have been exposed then to some other options that we have incorporated into our definition of what a relationship is. Absolutely.
1: And I think we can touch on that maybe a little bit later of why we think, other than the fact that it is we are defining our relationship models as a gay community. And we don't have, like you were touching on now, it's seemed to say heterosexual, it was the given. Mm. model. In the gay community these about to say as well we are not heterosexual and they started to develop their own models. Model. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that there is something else that is creeping in and maybe we can, that's, that's I wanted to touch on it a little bit later we we're discussing to say is uh, why do people open up relationships? Mm. Um, and I think we can touch on that in the sense of Typical what we do find in um, the difference between men and females. And um, we can discuss that maybe at the, at the topic, maybe after the break, maybe. after we had some music to Good. listen to.
0: <laughs> right. And on that, I'll take your cue, Krista. We're going to go to a break and listen to some music and back. we'll be back in a moment.
3: Gay SA Radio is really accessible. The easiest way to talk to us is to send us an email, studio at
0: Welcome back to our show, Let's Talk. You're listening to GaySA Radio, where you're family. And today we are talking to psychologist and psychosexologist Christa Kutzea. And we are talking about open relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, before the break, we basically said that open relationships are becoming more of a known uh, entity uh, within um, relationships, both heterosexual and gay relationships. And we need to have a look at why is that? We've looked at, particularly in the gay relationships where the normal heterosexual model that we all grew up with doesn't fit because now we are same-sex partners. And we've had to look at it and decide, well, what of this do I want to keep and what can we do away with and what do we put in its place? So coming from that, Krista, do you think that there's a difference in the tendency or shall we say the appetite for open relationships between males and females in same-sex relationships?
1: I think if we talk about in same-sex, I think definitely in practice I do see that. Um, a lot more open relationships are being explored when it is same-sex male Couples mm. than what we find with the same-sex female couples, and I, the two things that come to mind for me immediately is why uh, would be is if we look, go and we look at the, the the makeup of males and females, and we go back way back into our archives <laughs> <laughs> and to say is the archives. male the male being the hunter and the female being the nurturer. Mm. Um, but we, the other part that comes to mind there would be is to say, is and, and we find in terms of sexual drive, that with the males we have more of a spontaneous sexual drive and with the females more a reactive or a responsive one. Huge Which, difference. And the difference there, and to just clarify that, is women need to get out of their heads and into their bodies and that needs a bit more stimulation. And we don't always know that we, are, we have have got a drive or a need for sex but halfway through with a bit of stimulation and a bit of petting and on the right places you do get into the mood with men they do know that they have a need for sex and they need to act on it and it's a physiological component of it and i don't i think you know what we don't even have to make it very scientifical Is i always say to my to to my, my clients as well is men are aware of their sex organs all the time the fact of the matter it's on the outside of their bodies they've got pants rubbing on it the whole day they actually go and they touch their genitals Going to the toilet very often. Women are everything sitting inside. You need a lot more to become aware of it. So those
0: things—that's <laughs> an interesting, <laughs> an interesting way of putting it. Yes.
1: <laughs> so if we if we look at it, going back to it, is the male psyche. Is a lot more open to say is I need to spread the word I have a sense and the need the hunter I need yeah. for diversity
0: diversity is a big issue yes
1: females on the other side is I need to create a comfort a space a safe haven the nurturing type of and and don't get me wrong we do get the females that are out there that are the hunters Right. So, it's not an over, we, we need to be very careful to overgeneralize, and it's most probably those that are willing to negotiate open relationships. But we do tend to find, I have had in my, my experience, I've definitely seen more and experienced more in discussions that your same sex male uh, couples are way more open and willing to negotiate and discuss the agreement
0: of open relationships. In terms of the sexual component of it, okay. So if there is an open relationship, let, let's say that our couple has decided that um, they, they've uh, spoken to each other and they've said, you know what, uh, we're getting bored with each other on the sexual level, I still love you a lot, let's open the door and maybe let's get some, some diversity in. Having come to that decision, how does it all work from there?
1: Initially, it's quite excited, and I think there's something about that. Both of them have a bit of anxiety, or mm. if or it's masked. Yeah.
3: It, it, there's What's excitement, but
1: I think it's this anxiety that's being masked. They're looking forward mm. to that, but it it actually comes back. A lot of couples come back to me and they say, "Is we were all both both very ready for it until the first event." What happens then? Um, and then they start questioning to say, "Is but how does it?" affect my relationship? Do I feel guilty? Do I, um, how do I explain to the other person that what I felt? How do I reassure the other one that we are still fine? Um, that's where all of the emotional and psychological anxieties come in.
0: And that is because we are basically trained to put all of that, the psychological and the emotional, meaning and content onto the sexual act. as as opposed to saying a sexual act Mm -hmm. is a physiological act and it doesn't really interfere with my emotions because it's two different things Mm -hmm. to a large Mm -hmm. extent. Mm -hmm. Um, But our imprinting uh, has always been, you know, we have from when we grew up and -and so-and-so had an affair with so-and-so and and then the family Mm -hmm. broke up and everything else. Sex Mm -hmm. seems to define, be the entry and the exit point of a relationship, which technically it shouldn't be, should it? (laughs)
1: Sex. Yes, and and, and I, what I am hearing a lot of people also saying to me is that it's even not the sexual part as what you emotional share with the person during the sexual part, and I don't want to share that.
0: So that's a completely uh, different component.
1: So, and this is, it becomes, that's why I always say, is it's in theory very easy to define. Yeah. When it comes to practice, all the, our own demons and all our own fears pop out of the closet with us. Right. Um, and we have to bear in mind is for an open relationship to work, both parties need to be 100% on board right. with the agreement, and they need to be very clear in what the agreement says and we need to communicate and re- re-communicate and re-communicate and re-communicate because in a previous conversation that we had we discussed about healthy relationships and if I as one party of a relationship start feeling and living in anxiety then the open relationship's not working for me. And it might be working for the other party, and then if the other one feels very strongly about continuing, then the relationship should rather be terminated.
0: Mm. And those
1: are those are the things, the parts that I deal with. (laughs) Right.
0: So, given that it is threatening, and given that there is a danger involved, are there types of open relationships, are there kind of rules that people have tried out to make it work and take away the danger? from it is there anything there that works
1: uh yes and i think what is important is another another type of an open relationship that's come into the arena not that long ago is when we talk about polyamory and where they then decide to say is not like in your typical open relationship to say emotionally psychologically we keep it within our uh, exclusive to our relationship sex you can go have an encounters but don't form a relationship you can have and have sex and you come home and it's over and done with and we can have sex and it's our relationship But that
0: is where the danger lies that's where the fear lies that you go and have sex and then the emotions come in so are there any rules there that you think people abused? Because uh, I've heard of some people trying to manage that component by having certain rules, when the uh, the sex outside the relationship happens, it will happen in a particular way. So, for instance, um, I have patients who say, "Right, fine, um, we only play together. Mm. So we will go out and we will find a third person or a fourth person and we will play, and then we go together, we come home together, we are the relationship." Mm. Mm. Um, or if the um, Relationship moves uh, to a different level and we say, look, you can go out and play with somebody. Um, that's fine. I don't have to be with you, but you never play with the same person twice mm. Mm. and you never talk to them afterwards. Mm. So basically, you cut away or remove the danger of having an emotional component that comes into mm. that interaction. Mm. Um, I think when we talk about the um, polyamory There we have moved into a different field altogether, am I correct? Because it's not just about the sex. Mm. Now it's Mm. what was taboo in an open relationship, the emotional content, now becomes accepted. Mm. Mm. Tell us more about
1: it. I think what is important and the difference between that is where the parties are agreeing to have either or, emotional, intellectual or sexual, relationships, ongoing relationships with other parties and that is the part of where it, it's freeing for a lot of them to say is I don't have to worry about that that my partner is going to have possibly develop emotional feelings for another person because we've agreed they can. Wow. And that's where the polyamory comes in and often where I say is the, the it becomes broader and broader.
0: So, you, so, so there's no more stop line.
1: So And and that becomes the threat because I've actually had a couple not too long ago where they agreed on polyamorous relationships. And then what happened is the other party that was not from the initial or original relationship fell pregnant and that person demanded that they want exclusivity. Yeah. Wow. So we are trading on thin lines and it's so important. All I can say to wrap this up, it's for me would be is you need to be, and you've touched on that, is you need to be as a couple very clear, manageable, measurable um, agreements and rules that both feel 100% fine to follow. Otherwise don't try and fix your relationship with your open relationship.
0: Right, Krista, thank you very much um, for that insight into open relationships, a very complex subject but something that is becoming more and more um, every day mm-hmm. and something that we must take uh, cognizance of. It's not going to go away and it's not going to be something that uh, is a phase. It's, gonna, it's, here, it's here to stay from the 1960s already, I think. The important takeaway message is if you decide, open relationships are a decision and it's a decision that has a consequence and those consequences need to be managed actively. It's not just going to happen by itself.
1: And if you want to not be tied down, don't be in a relationship at all because then you have the freedom to form intellectual emotional and physical connections with whoever Wherever you, you want. want to
0: go all right wonderful and on that note <laughs> thank you very much we're going to wrap it up you have been listening to let's talk our program on gay sa radio where your family and you are more than welcome and in fact we would encourage you to join us on our next uh, voyage into some other personal issue that affects all of us and we tend to ignore very often
2: Hello darlings this is your queen of the skies Kathy Specific here for the first time in history an all gay vacation hits the shores of Africa proudly brought to you by AfriGay Join myself and the seductively saucy trolley dollies as we take you to the beautiful island of Mauritius to experience magnificent sun, sea, and surf, a few decadent parties, and the chance to make fabulous friends from all over the world. This unique event will be hosted by South Africa's aviation goddesses and your tantalizingly tempting poster girls for travel. For more information, buckle up, bitches,
0: and book your spot at gsaradio.co.za. A warm welcome to all our listeners. Um, you're listening to our show, Let's Talk. This is where we talk about things that affect us individually or as a group in our daily lives. Our team is myself, uh, Dr. Ezio Baraldi. I'm a specialist medical practitioner and medical sexologist. Krista Kutzia, who is in the studio with me today. Uh, Krista is a psychologist and a psychosexologist. And Shaul Grief, who is a specialized counselor with a special interest in gay and lesbian relationships. Christopher, welcome. Thank you, Etia. So today we've, we've spoken in previous programs about relationships, and we've spoken about monogamous relationships. We've spoken about open relationships. Let's talk today about polyamory. It seems to be something that is popping up more and more frequently. People are using the word Uh, Is polyamory the same as an open relationship?
1: Uh, Ito, we we touched on it in the previous uh, discussion um, in terms of, if we talk open relationship, and I'll just quickly recap for whoever didn't listen to the previous ones. The terminology of an open relationship originated from where we're talking we have an exclusive relationship, which is the monogamous, where we actually have intellectual, emotional, and sexual uh, relationships all within the, that original monogamous, not monogamous relationship, the open part started where couples decided and spoke about and to say, is they willing to open up the sexual relationship to involve other partners as well.
0: Just the sexual?
1: The sexual part. So that would be the open relationship, the emotional and intellectual remains within the original relationship, There's sexual in the original relationship, Mm -hmm. but it is open, the sexual part is open for outside encounters as well. Okay. Polyamory then came along, and that is a very recent terminology that started uh, featuring the other terminology that we also often hear now l- lately that they talk about, friends with benefits, is to say, and what, what but coming back to polyamory, is those are terminologies that started popping up fairly recent in the same, so, so that, but if we talk about polyamory per se, what is polyamory? Polyamory would mean is to say the original emotional, intellectual, and the sexual aspects of a relationship are, are all three opened up to also outside long term relationships that are allowed or agreed upon? In other words, is yes, I have my original relationship, or we can talk about the primary relationship and to say, is it's you and me. And if you feel intellectually that you have a strong connection and you would like to explore and develop it with a person, other person outside this relationship, you are welcome to do that. The same goes for emotional relationship. The same goes for a sexual relationship. We're often coming back to the original open relationship was to say, is you can have sexual encounters but not relationships.
0: Right, which is a big difference with that. Where is the difference that comes in? Okay. So poly means many, and amory obviously means love. Yeah. So the way I read this word is we love many people at the same time. Yes. Okay. So if I...
1: And and you can act on it.
0: And you can act on it.
1: Because I think that's where the difference comes in. It is, is I can love, um, I have... A love for a person I love you very much my friend Mm. but I don't necessarily act on a relationship to that depth that is involved here
0: with a friendship for yeah with a friendship yeah so it's a different kind of love so maybe we have different kinds of loves as well so there's love between brother and sister and and parent and child those are very different Uh, and there we know that that kind of love can go from one person to many Mm But in terms of emotional and relationship love, we are all brought up in the old paradigm of you can only do that with one person. So it's with your one partner and you can only really love that one person. Mm-hmm. So polyamory seems to me it sounds like, no, but you can actually do that with more than one person. Mm-hmm. So you can love more than one person. Would that be equally or is there a difference? I think to try and measure
1: <laughs> love in equality or <laughs> the same level of or the same depth of, I think it's open for for interpretation. But what it does say is that you have the openness and the, op- the option to explore where that relationship and that aspect of it will lead you. But we have to remember, is, and when you are if you don't want the responsibility of maintaining the original relationship while you exploring all the other avenues outside, if you don't want that pressure right. and you don't want that responsibility, don't go into a, a rela- primary relationship initially.
0: Right, just don't, don't just go
1: there. Just go and form your relationships with whoever, wherever you want to. Right. You, cannot, you can't have your cake and eat it.
0: But it sounds to when like Bolly does that.
1: When you Amory, and this is the part that makes it completely different to just forming relationships left, right and center. You have got the responsibility and the benefit on the other side as well of a relationship initially. And from there, you still explore the other parts. So you, 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 you have to, and this is where boundaries and communication and all of those things come in really heavy when mm. you want to make this work because you have initially entered into a fundamental relationship where that's your bounce board from where you operate right. <laughs> because of economical reasons and all those stuff. You've, you've, you've bought the house and you've actually got the dogs and you've got mm. – all the expenses set up, and you still go and explore other avenues. Mm. So, if you don't want that benefit of having somebody at home that you're actually creating a economical and physical life with, <laughs> and go out and explore other other things, if you can't manage all of that, don't even enter into the initial one. If that makes
0: sense, mm. it's a lot easier. <laughs> There's a lot less things to do, but. The difference, uh, uh, the way I understand it, is with an open relationship, you are in a relationship with somebody and you're going outside and you are looking at, either on your own or together, going outside for a little bit more of sexual um, excitement. In polyamory, you've actually brought a relationship into your primary relationship. So now there's three. So you've got one person, let's say person A, who is in a relationship with person B, And person C comes in. And person A has now got an emotional relationship with person C, the new person that's come through. Mm -hmm. What happens to person B, who is your original partner? They have a relationship with person A. Do they have to have, in this definition, a relationship with the new person that's brought in as well?
1: No, they don't have to. And this is the part where it becomes complicated because it becomes difficult to negotiate time negotiate resources mm-hmm. because remember person if if we talk about emotional mm-hmm. let's for a moment ke- talk about the emotional aspect of it if person A and person B has got the original relationship there is an emotional relationship yeah. person A has gone out and formed another emotional relationship with person C person B is not in a relationship with person C necessarily it could sometimes it does evolve Okay, but it doesn't have to be per definition. Mm. But you have to bear in mind, you knowing the human psyche and the human emotions. If person C, all of a sudden person B and person C is both tapping into person's A, emotional relationship capacity, Mm -hmm. which then brings the emotional turbulence that can very easily evolve from here. If person B is not getting the emotional fulfillment in their relationship anymore because of person C.
0: But isn't that the same as having a relationship and having a lover on the side? So there's somebody who has then a relationship with two people, but the primary person in the relationship that they're in doesn't know about the other one, but the emotional energy is still being, uh, being split.
1: But I think that etienne I think this is the part of where in another um, conversation that 's not for today, where we talk about infidel- infidelity because in polyamory, there is a mutual agreement of what we bring in when you are just having if we, if if the both parties entered into a monogamous relationship and then one of the parties has got a relationship on this side. The other original party that was not the agreement. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what I'm dealing with. Where in and polyamory I feel and I in with polyamory both parties agreed. So I often get asked in um, in, in the in the consultation rooms to say is, is polyamory just not just an permission to have multiple affairs? Is that not actually what it's about?
0: My understanding of polyamory is no, uh, that it is at a different level altogether. I'm interested to hear what you have to say because my understanding of polyamory where there are three people involved and it's a three-way emotional relationship. So for instance, it's a couple, they've decided to go outside and play together, they've met somebody, and they've decided that they both like this person and they both have formed an emotional connection and now they want to bring them in and it is a relationship then composed of three people, basically on an equal basis. So it flows from the one to the other.
1: I think maybe after we had some music break to actually digest a bit of that, I would like it. to discuss that <laughs> with you.
0: Right. Wonderful. <laughs> people we're gonna take a break and listen to some music. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Gay SA Radio, we're your family.
3: Like any good radio station, Gay SA Radio has an extensive blog which is updated almost daily. We even have a blogger that writes articles just for you. Come and visit GaySARadio.co.za.
0: Welcome back. You are listening to Gay SA Radio, where you're family, and our program is Let's Talk. Um, program where we discuss things that matter to us and various topics that influence our lives, and today we're talking about relationships. It's a very big subject, and we are trying to deal with it piecemeal, piece at a time. Today we're talking about polyamory, and we are talking about the difference between what, well, what is polyamory, and the difference between that and an open relationship, the difference between polyamory and friends with benefits, and um, These words very often are thrown around interchangeably, but actually they do mean different things, don't they, Krista?
1: They absolutely do. And I think people choose labels and they beat the labels until it fits them. Instead of going back and to say what was this label or this definition originally actually meant, defined to be right, and our conversation actually evolved when we were talking to say is when I get people that come into my practice and they say to me, "But we are in a polyamory relationship, but all I feel it's just an excuse to have sex with whoever you feel." So, so there's definitely the emotional component that pops out when people decide to go into either an open relationship or in a polyamorous relationship. The emotional backlash comes mm. is that things were not clearly defined, defined. and understood mm. when, from the starting point. They started acting on like it before they actually knew what they, what, what they were signing. It's for. the old
0: story. If it doesn't start right, it will not end right.
1: Absolutely.
0: So clear rules is Mm. is, is what we Mm. need, yeah. So in polyamory, amory means love, Mm -hmm. which is different to sex, obviously. Yes. So my understanding is it's not multiple sex partners. Mm -hmm. You can have sex with multiple people without loving them. Mm -hmm. You love your primary partner. If you then start loving someone else plus your primary partner, you have got a lover on the side, Mm -hmm. as it were. Um, bring with, that, with the
1: permission or without the permission of your primary partner?
0: Well, that, that is debatable. Okay? <laughs> if you are going to bring that lover into the relationship as a three-way, then you have to have the permission of your primary partner. Mm-hmm. But for polyamory to exist there, your primary partner also needs to fall in love with this third person. Mm-hmm. and Otherwise, they're just tolerating him in the house.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's a difference.
1: which is a power struggle, which is coming back to the threat of codependent relationships and all of that. Absolutely
0: (laughs) huge issues. And so polyamory really is uh, is a concept. Uh, I think it's a very difficult thing to actually do in practice. Mm -hmm. And I think there are very few uh, multiple partner relationships that would really meet the requirement definition of polyamory. Most of them are friends with benefits probably. Um,
1: which, which I think comes back to our question and, and, and where clients are asked to say, but is this not just not an open relationship, which in actual fact, I think we, uh, most of the relationships that, would, that people would define themselves as polyamory is actually just open relationships. Open relationships yeah. And in, unfortunately, in many cases, the, even the open relationship dynamics has not been 100% agreed upon. ...by the primary partners. Mm. So I tolerate it because I don't want to lose the house... ...or I don't want to lose the benefits of the primary relationship. So I'm sacrificing uh, myself for the sake of... ...at least I have the other, my, my primary partner still with me... ...although he or she is having something on the
0: side. A bit of a codependency element into that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's really... Uh, The problem with all of these things, um, and I mean, you know, uh, there are many formats of uh, relationships and there are many um, ways of doing things. We are all brought up with a heterosexual monogamous model. That is what we are taught. We are not even taught about that intellectually. We don't know what the rules of those things are. We actually pick it up as kids as we go along we almost absorb that without actually putting it into words and we'll end up as adults in a situation where we think we know what a relationship must look like and the minute we deviate from that into a same-sex relationship because there are certain components that can't fit uh, the monogamous the, the heterosexual relationship we then land up with a lot of discussion around our own preconceived ideas and we kind of plodder on and try to make things work still with that frame of reference in our own minds as opposed to sitting down and saying, right, what are our options? How do these options work? And which one of these do we actually choose? In other words, planning it properly. Uh, I think that's one of the things that we don't do. And it's one of the things that we should be doing as adults, teaching young gay people mm-hmm. because they haven't got um, – they haven't got the skills to actually do this by themselves because those skills come 20, 30 years later once you've made a whole lot of mistakes and a hell of a lot of hurt, which is not necessary really if you just look at the reasons um, at the beginning.
1: I think, uh, it's uh, you've touched on that. and for, for me, what is fundamentally important, whether you choose to open your relationship, whether you choose to Uh, define your relationship as monogamous, whether you choose to define your relationship as polyamory, whatever label you want to put in, we have to fundamentally go back and to say is, what are my fears growing up in a relationship that I'm trying to avoid? Mm. Uh, Work through that. Get yourself in a place that you know what you want to do and how you want to do it. So take that responsibility. We cannot, as often what we do is we enter into things and we try to avoid what, whatever experience we've had as a child. Or we try to, to build on what we think it should be, but we have really no idea where we actually stand as an individual with that. That's the first thing. The second thing is when you enter into a relationship per se, there is another person that's there as well. And that person, the moment that you enter into a relationship, it means that you are in relation to another person, which means the other person's being is as important as yours, which the other person's needs and personality desires and sexual desires and emotional desires are as important as yours. And that's why to, to touch on what you're saying is we need to have clear clearly discussed and communicated boundaries, uh, fundamental rules for our relationships, if we at all want to actually have a healthy relationship.
0: And on that note, we're going to close our program for today. You have been listening to our show, Let's Talk, where we discuss various matters that affect us in everyday life. We will be joining you soon in another program where we will be talking about infidelity in relationships. That's all from us from now. Do listen to Gay SA Radio, where you are family.
3: Did you miss something on Gay SA Radio? Well, you can always listen to the podcast. Just go to the website, radio.co.za, click on podcasts, scroll down, and listen to your heart's content. Gay SA Radio, where
0: you are family. Right. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Gay Radio, where you are family, and our program today is Let's Talk. It's a program where we discuss issues uh, that happen in everyday life and that influence our everyday life. Um, as part of the team, we have myself, Dr. Ezio Baraldi. I'm a specialist medical practitioner and a medical sexologist. With me in the studio is Krista Kuzia, our psychologist and psychosexologist. And Charles Grief who is a specialized counselor with a special interest in gay and lesbian relationships. Welcome, Krista.
1: Thank you, Itza.
0: So, Krista, you and I have done quite a bit of talking in previous programs about relationships uh-huh. and different kinds of relationships, um, how we define them, how, do, how can we put them together, understanding that in gay life we have thrown out a lot of the standard heterosexual paradigm of a relationship and therefore we've had to bring in our own Uh, definitions. So there are various types of relationships. The one thing we haven't discussed is infidelity in those relationships. Mm -hmm. How does the concept of infidelity then change if we have different models of having relationships?
1: I think it's actually quite easy to define. We've discussed and to say is in a relationship there's an agreement of how we're going to engage, how we're going to manage, how we're going to steer this relationship. What are the fundamentals, and the moment that the fundamentals are being broken, that's where we're entering into the the concept of infidelity. Mm-hmm. It's not only, and people don't. It's let's be, and and we will discuss that and to say it's not only when a person has acted on a certain. To say now they've had sex and now there's infidelity. It's If the agreement between the parties are to say as we are emotionally, intellectually and sexually inclusive of one another, exclusive to the world, we keep it, if monogamy is that, the moment that there is... And it becomes difficult to prove when you go on to in the intellectual and the emotional mm-hmm. <laughs> infidelity. Proof, yes. Physical, sexual infidelity is a lot easier to prove. Which is so why it's, it's the only one tangible. that's in law. And that's yes. so, and, and, but it's what, what the relationship defined, the agreement that's been defined, when that is being broken, without... Uh, The agreement of the other one. Because remember, in in any relationship, we can agree and then later on revisit the the agreement. Right, correct. Uh, So it means that you communicate and as you evolve in the relationship, you discuss and where are we and, and we redefine the relationship. But it's when the agreement has been broken, knowingly or not knowingly we're entering into infidelity a lot of people will say to me and i can see you you're really thinking about that one <laughs>
2: <You> <laughs> is I do, think.
1: <laughs> I, there's there's um, sometimes when a person will say to say i have had i have sexual encounters outside of the relationship but my wife is not aware of it mm-hmm. or my partner is not aware of it the fact that the other one is not aware of it doesn't mean that you're not guilty of infidelity, because you've broken the agreement.
0: If that was the agreement. If that was the agreement. Right.
1: And now, because the other one is unaware of it, mm. doesn't mean that physically you had a No, it's happened. So, it happened. so we need to, a, a lot of those things are escape or trying to shrug, shrug the responsibility and mm. to say, as I, oh, you know what, it's not that bad. It only happened once. Mm. The fact of the matter is, yes, the, the, the consequences might be less. If the other partner never finds out or knows about it
0: very interesting. I just find myself to be guilty of infidelity intellectual infidelity because I have a very high respect for my professor. Mm. Does that count
1: depends on what your agreement is <laughs> in, <laughs> in, in your relationship
0: <laughs> okay so uh, but infidelity is a big issue, and with that goes jealousy, of course because um, I sometimes think that jealousy is the primary response, the emotional response, and then we put the word infidelity on top of it to try and intellectualize it in some other way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we've, uh, so if there is infidelity, and say I have now built a emotional relationship with somebody else, or say my partner has, and why do I feel done by and say that there's been an emotional infidelity because I don't know where I fit into that. Mm-hmm. I no longer know what the emotion is between myself and my partner. So I feel threatened. And the minute I feel threatened and insecure, then jealousy is one of the responses.
1: I think we have to, you, you mentioned the word fear, jealousy. Uh, I think it's also very fundamentally there's. A fear of loss. Right. Where is this going to go?
0: Hmm.
1: So it's not so much of what is happening here, but what now? Is What am I going to lose? Are you going to love this person more? And, and, and that's it, it starts rippling. Hmm. The ripple effect of it all is to say, is it, it actually shook my foundation.
0: And destroyed my relationship, all those what-ifs. Uh, very often we create the thing we're trying to avoid.
1: Hmm. So it's very important to look at those things and to say, is, and, and often when I work with couples, and you actually say, is I don't, I'm not really that interested in who said what and who did when and how many times you did that. Hmm. That to me is like salt and pepper. I'm interested in the salad. You know, don't come and bring talk talk too much about how where did it where did it happen, how yeah. often did it happen, yeah. with whom did it yeah. happen.
2: Yeah.
1: I want to know is it happened mm-hmm. and what is that saying to us? What is it saying to your relationship? Why did this happen? And that that would be going back into is the prime cause of it. What is underlying all of this? Because there must have been a reason. And a lot of people, with, when you work with infidelity, and you work with all of these fears. The question is, if it happened now, how do I forgive? And even if we come to new agreements, and if, what if it happens again? Right. And fundamentally, the question is, what do we have control over? We have control over the agreement, but do I have control over whether the other person is following the agreements or not?
0: So you have no control over the event, But you do have control on the meaning that you place on the event. Absolutely. Based on your expectations of what the consequences of the event might be. Mm
1: -hmm. So that is very important to take control over things that you have control
0: over. Correct.
1: And that's why the boundaries and agreements and all those things that we keep on talking about is so important. And I've often had couples to say, so what guarantee do I have that it won't happen again? And I always say, is no, no marriage certificate, no agreement, nothing is There's going to stop any of this happening. The only thing we have control over, because temptations and things will always come across mm. our paths. Mm. The only thing is to say is, what I have in our relationship, the way I feel and the way my partner feels in our relationship, depending on the agreements, should be... Of such nature that the other person is not willing to sacrifice or compromise that. Mm. So every day, and that's what relationships are about. Every day is defining the relationship. And we need to make sure that today, the way I feel and my partner feels and this, the health of this relationship is, should be of such nature that when my partner goes out, when I go out somewhere, is that will be what I won't want to lose. So I would want to honour
0: the agreement. So there must be enough in this relationship for both of us to want to stay in it. Absolutely. Okay? So we must both get more out of it than what we're putting in almost. Or at the yes. Very, or at the very least getting out what you're putting in. So there's a reason for staying. Mm-hmm. Infidelity then would be going over one of the set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Okay? And in my mind there's a difference between going over boundaries that we have mutually set and going over boundaries that we presume exist based mm-hmm. on our uh, upbringing and whatever because those presumed boundaries might be very different mm-hmm. and then we're talking chalk and cheese. I'm Gonna leave it there for the moment, we're going to go for a break, we can listen to some music and then uh, we'll be back to Gay Essay Radio where you're family.
1: Do you want to meet the person who can introduce you to your next client?
3: Net Your Niche is an online networking platform that reduces the time, money, and effort of traditional marketing and allows you to focus on what truly matters. Meeting someone who can refer you to the exact person you're looking for. No more calling secretaries and being put on hold. Sign up today at a 20% discount and make sure you don't miss out on meeting new clients any longer. Visit us on NYN.com co or call us on zero one two nine four seven
1: nine five double nine.
0: Welcome back to GaySA Radio, where your family, you are listening to our program. Let's talk, where we talk about various topics that affect us daily. Today, with me in the studio is Christa Koltzier, our psychologist. I am Dr. Ezio Beraldi, and today we're talking about infertility. Infidelity? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we're talking about infidelity. Infertility is rather a strange thing to say with the on a gay radio station. Um, but I'm sure that has a place. Krista, we were talking about infidelity uh, before, and possibly we discussed some reasons for it. How do we determine the boundaries? So we said that infidelity is when you cross one of the boundaries that you've laid down. How do we oh. minimise that uh, crossing of boundaries within a relationship
1: communication
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that in short i think it's it's fundamentally the key one of the things that that unfortunately often do not happen is open communication and one of the reasons why people don't have open communication is because they don't want to upset the apple cart mm-hmm. So fear uh, the, of benefit, the benefit that I have in this relationship, I'm so scared if I really say how I feel that I will lose it.
0: Right, fear of consequence. Yeah.
1: So, um, and like in anything, and, and people often ask me to say, is why, the, why do they actually go and sign a prenup agreement? Mm -hmm. And an anti nuptial agreement, because people don't get married to get divorced. You know, why must we go and talk about in the event that we break up, this and this and this and this and this needs to be in place. There's reasons for that. Yes. (laughs) Because in the beginning phases, when you are planning your life ahead, you are a lot more amicable. Mm. to actually settle on good grounds. You still want what is best for the other party and for yourself.
0: Mm, but not while you're having a fight not and the, breaking up. <laughs> not
1: when you start splitting up the house and all these different things. So yeah. that, And I use that analogy because it is so important that in the beginning of relationships, when we still love one another enough and deeply enough that we really want the best for the other one and for yourself, it's then to communicate about what are the boundaries, mm. what are the agreements. Mm. Because you do not want to hurt, see the other person hurt. You don't want to see yourself hurt. Mm. And before you've actually um, put everything together that what you possibly could lose in long term, before that comes to play, you would want to have start a business, start a relationship on solid grounding. Right. So that, that would be, so communication from the word go is very important. And I think then something further is, we, we discussed that earlier to say, is communicate and re- recommunicate and define and redefine. Because people are not stagnant. People grow, people develop. Right. Um, so And needs develop.
0: People change so, as, and they, people as they change. grow.
1: Yeah. So it is so important that when something crosses your path, to actually bring it to your partner and discuss that before it really becomes a problem. So that there's buy-in from both parties. Mm. And those are the ways that we avoid infidelity from happening. Because I have got the buy-in of my partner so that I can actually really go and explore. We all know there's a thrill in doing something behind somebody else's back. That's why people are but having sex allowed. in public places.
0: Right, because it's not allowed. Yeah. So
1: there's a thrill. Yeah. The question is, are you willing to, to act on that thrill and face the consequences of mm. it, what it might have on your relationship?
0: Okay, so having clear lines and ongoing discussion of where those lines are will prevent us from crossing those lines and therefore not fall into the definition of infidelity. But what happens if the line has been crossed? Is it really an issue? What happens after that? So in the normal sense of things, in the legal sense of things, infidelity, touching somebody else's genitals is cause for breaking up the relationship because there's nothing left. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think that's nonsense. What do you think?
1: A lot of people can go and say is uh, well, you can't, you, you didn't commit a crime. You know, you're not going to go to court. You're not going to be pulled in front of justice to mm-hmm. actually face the consequences. So, and, and a lot of people say, it's just keep quiet. You know, if the other party doesn't know about mm-hmm. it, just don't upset the apple cart. Keep the status quo going. Yeah. And I think that. But why would you
0: want to do that? Because the event has no real meaning mm-hmm. and power to affect your current relationship. Or has it? Or has it? So, who defines that? The person who perpetrates it or the person who. the other party in the relationship?
1: You have to um, remember if you are the one that did it, Mm. you know exactly what happened there. Mm -hmm. If you were not present when it happened, you have no idea. What was the context? You have no idea what was said. You was no, you had no idea of what was the emotional connection of when it happened.
0: So your mind goes wild and so, any possibility is reasonable.
1: And you perceive it from your own frame of reference. Ah. So there, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of hurt from your own perceived loss that comes into play. And coming back to the point, do I have to go home and confess? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to if there's not going to be radic- ramifications, but it's your choice. The question is, how is that going to impact you going forward? And the other part is when you entered into a relationship and you came to agreement with your partner, there was respect for that. Mm-hmm. So even if I wasn't caught should I then not stand to take full responsibility?
0: Well, I think one should always take full responsibility for one's actions. Mm. The question often comes in of, should I take the responsibility for my actions based on rules I didn't make or don't agree with? So when it's law, it's law. Mm. We, we can't get away from that. But if two people go into a relationship and one has a very monogamous idea in their head and the other one has a open relationship or a polyamorous uh, idea in their head. But those boundaries are chalk and cheese and in two different textbooks. Mm-hmm. So the one can cross the line and the other one can say, but you know what, that's not a line for me mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So again, we're back to what we were talking about. Define those boundaries mm-hmm. right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Define what you're talking about. Take those two textbooks and Tear out the pages that make sense and create a third textbook.
1: Absolutely. And especially when we're talking about uh, if, if you have both parties that buy, has got a buy-in into monogamy, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to negotiate.
0: Because you know what the rules right. are.
1: Because and, But still, and I would still um, ask people to say, is, please go and define still for your individual relationship. Don't go with what, what the books say.
0: Correct. Yeah. What,
1: you need buy-in. From both parties. The moment that you have somebody that's actually programmed and and, uh, more defined to to open relationships and the other one with monogamy, uh, it becomes a lot lot more complicated. But again, it's manageable if you are clear and you have buy-in on both in terms of when we say this, what do we mean? Right. Uh, And those to that level. The definition you need to go is when you use this terminology, when you do that, what does it mean for me? What does it mean for you? Where do we meet one another? Because, and I'll, I'll come back to the point and say, if you don't want the responsibility of all these definitions, don't go into relationships. Simple Just go and be an individual and form relationships left, right, and center like you feel fit.
0: Yeah, don't commit to something.
1: But if you commit to a long-term relationship, It's not only you. You have then entered into agreement with another person and your actions will have consequences on the
0: other other person.
1: And I think that for today might be a good point.
0: I think so too because there's a lot more to infidelity than meets the eye. But I hope that we have given our listeners something to think about. Mm -hmm. And to our listeners, thank you very much for listening to us. You've been listening to Let's Talk which is a program where we discuss things that uh, matter to us. With me in the studio was Krista Kutzia, our psychologist and psychosexologist. And I am Dr. Etze Biroldi. I'm a specialist medical practitioner. And you are family because you're listening to Gay SA Radio. Goodbye.